I have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. Let's all stand as we honor God's Word by standing. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. <coughs> Excuse me, I want to read to you the um, verses 20 through 22 and through 24. 1 Corinthians, verse 22 says, For the Jews required a sign... And the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of it. Thank you, Lord, for the time we have here together. I just thank you, Lord, in all things. And, and Lord, I pray that you'll see fit to, to bless those that are here today and, and those who couldn't get here for some reason or another, Lord. I pray that you'll send them out and make them realize, Lord, that they're members of Landmark Baptist Church and they need to be in the Lord's house when the Lord's day comes. And, Lord, I just pray in all things that you might be honored and glorified, that you might watch over us and take care of us, Lord. And, and Lord, I pray that you'll just take care of everything, Lord, and whatever, whatever comes, comes forward, Lord, I pray that you'll take care of it and, and watch out after us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> I'm going to preach a message today. I'm not going to be able to preach all of it this morning because, uh, I wound up before I got done with the message that I had four pages of notes, and so uh, I'm not going to be able to preach all of it this morning, but I'll preach to a certain time, and then I'll quit, and, and then I'll pick it back up this afternoon. Uh, I want to preach on a stumbling block. Now, uh, there's a lot of stumbling blocks. You know, Satan is very good at laying stumbling blocks. But don't, don't ever forget though, the Lord sometimes lays them too. And, uh, so remember that. You know, Satan's very good at putting stumbling blocks in front of people. Things that they're gonna stumble over. You know, there's, there's nothing any more surprising until something comes up and you can't help it, but you stumble over it. Well, this is what a stumbling block is. That's what a stumbling block is for. It is to make people stumble. It's to make them think, to watch around them what's going on. What, what is it? What is it that's being done? You know, sometimes, sometimes we just, we ask for what we get. And sometimes we get for, we get things that we don't ask for. But, uh, the stumbling block is laid. But the stumbling block that we're going to talk about today is not the stumbling block that Satan lays, but it's the stumbling block that the Lord lays. And let me tell you what it is. It's the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is one of the greatest stumbling blocks that God has ever laid and has ever, has ever told his people to lay. You know, the Bible plainly says you to preach the gospel to every creature. Preach it to every creature. It doesn't say that you're to shun any. 
doesn't say that you're to say, well, this person is not worth preaching to, or this person can't understand. You preach a gospel to every creature. Preach a gospel to everyone uh, th- that you meet and you teach. And it's the same way with preachers. You know, we're to preach a gospel to every creature. But the gospel is the greatest stumbling block that a, that a man or a woman can come up on, and even sometimes a child. Now, if we are faithful to the truth of God as revealed in the gospel of Christ, it will be an offense to all those who are trying to be saved by their own works or by their own way or by the way that they have been told by others that they can get to heaven. It's a stumbling block. And I tell you, this message came up as a result of someone, not here, but someone said to me one day, they said, well, said, you know, said, uh, if I hadn't accepted Christ, then I wouldn't have been saved. I said, what do you mean by that? They said, well, they said, uh, you know, the preacher told me, told us that if we just accept Christ, then we'll be saved. And he said, so I accepted Christ. And he says, I'm saved. And... Uh, I went on, and I, I, I mentioned this, I think, maybe Wednesday night, too. Uh, I went on, and I said, well, I said, when were you born again? And they didn't know what I was talking about. Had no idea what it meant to be born again. They, they, they didn't know what that meant. All they know, knew was that the preacher had told them to accept Christ, and they'd be all right, and they accepted Christ. Well, that's a way that, that's a way that the gospel is against. The gospel of Christ is against that. If you study the gospel of the truth, uh, the truths, let's put it this way, if you study the truths of the gospel, you will find that, uh, that it's not like that. That, that you know that there, and I won't say this, that there is an inward call from the gospel and there's an outward call from the gospel. The outward call from the gospel is the call that a lot of people Accept and trust is the outward call. The outward call says come and be saved. That's the outward call of the gospel. The outward call of the gospel says, says, says that Jesus Christ died for the world and says you come and says you'll be saved. That's the outward call of the gospel. But the inward call of the gospel is, are those that, the, when the gospel is sent out to people and those that their hearts are convicted and, and their souls are are, are that still small voice coming from somewhere, that still small voice is telling them that they really need to be saved. And, and when they trust the Lord, when they trust the Lord on those grounds, then there's, they're never going to trust the Lord until they're born again. But you understand that, you know, we, these people talk about, they talk about a, um, uh, they talk about a, um, a prayer, uh, pray the prayer of a, of a sinner. Let me tell you folks, a sinner does not have a prayer. As a matter of fact, the Bible is so plain on it that God does not listen to sinners. And so for, for a preacher stand up and tell a person to pray the sinner's prayer and they're, they're going to be okay, that's just not true. That's not true. The gospel is a stumbling block to those people because the gospel teaches us that there has to be conviction. 
that there has to be there has to be a regeneration, which is through the new birth. There has to be a regeneration, and and then there has to be uh, there has to be that inward call that that you really have a desire and you really want to be saved and you're really going to do what the Lord teaches you to do after you are saved. That, that's the gospel. The gospel is it's just not someone preaching the gospel to you, but it, what it says is it says to make disciples, it says to baptize them, and then it says to teach them. You know, you, you, don't, uh, you don't know anything when you're saved you have to be taught. But the problem is you have people today who go to church one time, they walk a church aisle, then they never show up again. You know, and then, but yet, if you ask them, and I was one of those, I'm telling you folks, I had a man coached me and a bunch of other 10 year olds down the church aisle at the, at the, uh, Ephesus Baptist Church. Up in, uh, uh, up in the mountains of Kentucky. And he coaxed us, eight or nine of us, ten-year-olds down the aisle, and he told us, he said, when the preacher comes up to you, said, he'll ask you, do you believe in Jesus? He said, just say yes. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, uh, we, we came down the aisle, the, uh, uh, the preacher, uh, came up to us and, and he asked each one of us 10-year-olds, he said, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. 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 And they took all of us 10-year-olds out, and they baptized us. And they made us members of the Ephesus Baptist Church. Well, when I, I, I only went for about five or six months, seven, maybe seven or eight months. And then I didn't go anymore. But if you'd approach me when I was a teenager, I don't care what I was doing, whether I was, whether I was drinking or whether I was cursing, whether I was out with that bunch that I ran around with or not, if you'd ask me in those days <coughs> if I believed in Jesus, I still said yes. I was still said yes. <coughs> and the thing about it is, is that's what I was told. But then someone came to me, Brother Jim Jeffries came to me when I was almost 22 years old. Well, yeah, I was almost 22. He came to me and he asked me, he, he preached the gospel to me. And, and then it was from there that I learned that what I, but what I believed all those years from the time I was 10 years old, until I was 21, what I believed was was useless. Because it was there that, that when the gospel truth was preached, it was there that I learned that that was useless. Well, then the, the gospel became a stumbling block to me as, as, as a child coming up because I thought that I was okay. I thought I was okay. I mean, what I did, I thought I was okay. Because that preacher had told us all of us are okay. He said, you won't have to, he said, you'll go to heaven and you won't have to worry about a thing. But that wasn't true. The gospel truth is the truth. The gospel is, is what is, it becomes a stumbling block to all those who have been 
taught another way of salvation. As we said, some, some people pray the sinner's prayer. Uh, the gospel promises liberty from Satan and sin. All without any deeds of the law or without any deeds from the sinner or the works of the law become taskmasters whose service is a yoke of slavery. That's all it is. You know, a yoke of slavery. But th- this church has been established on that, and, and sometimes I envy. I, honestly, I do. I, I'm going to be honest with you. And, and I know some brethren who have who, who have envied that too, and they try to reconcile with it and go and do something about it, but I'm not going to do that. But sometimes I'm envy of these people who they'll have these big churches and, and, and the people are faithful. They work in the church. They have a position in the church. They do it. They don't back up from it. They do it faithfully. They're there every time the doors are open. And sometimes I envy that. But let me tell you, the truth of the gospel will stop all that. Let me tell you, folks, Kara uh, uh, writes a lot about uh, the doctrines of grace in her devotions. I'm, I'm going to tell you, folks, a person that has just what they call, I got saved, that's a stumbling block to them, too. Because they don't, they don't believe that. I've had people come up to me just as recently as a week or two ago. A man come up to me and he said, you, do you believe that God chose his children before the foundation of the world? I said, I sure do. He said, well, our preacher preached on it. And he said, I was concerned why he preached on it. I said, because it's the truth. I said, it's the truth. And it became a stumbling block to him. He said, well, I just don't know. He said, I, it became a stumbling block to him. The gospel, the gospel truth is a stumbling block to those who, who are lost and, and who are not saved. It was the great apostle Paul who told, uh, the Galatians, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You know, people want to be told to do something. People, people want to be told to do something. They, they want to be told. They want somebody to tell them to do something. And I've had people have asked me, uh, good, good preachers. I've had good preachers ask me, they'll say, why do you just sing one stanza of a quote unquote invitation song? And, uh, some of them want to see more than that. And then I had a man here just last week. He said, do you believe in, he said, our, our preacher started something new and said that, uh, he has everybody bow their heads and raise their hands. And he said, that, that was odd. And, and, and he said that, said he would stand up there and people would bow their heads and they'd raise their hands and said, he'd say, I see, brother, I see, I see your hand. I see your hand, brother. God bless you, brother, sister. I see your hand. And he said, that went on for 30 minutes. And he said, what do you think about that? I said, well, that's just high pressure evangelism. That's all that is. You know, you, if you deduct it down, to the last people that raised their hands, they have to come forward. They have no choice. 
They have to come forward. When they get down to the last people, they have to come forward because they've already raised their hand and said they were going to. When you get down, how many of you would come today and trust the Lord as your Savior? Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. And then, and then they give an invitation. And those people have to come. They have no, they've already raised their hand. You see, that's high pressure evangelism. The gospel is, the gospel is preached and then, and gone. That's, that's the way the gospel is. The gospel is preached and, and God sees fit to who he lays a stumbling block in front of with the gospel. Not me. I'm not the one that does it. God has to do it. The gospel, the gospel is preached and it becomes a stumbling block. But the gospel of Christ can never be anything but a stumbling block to those who struggle with salvation by the free grace of the Almighty God. It's got to be a stumbling block. It, it has to be. You know, it, uh, like Brother Al Gormley once said, he said, uh, he said I've, I've been told when you preach a gospel, you should never mention the doctrines of grace. But he said, I want to tell you one thing. He, he said, I was told if you do that, you're going to run people off. But he said, I'm telling you right now, he said, that stopped me dead in my tracks. He said, I, I, he said, I had heard preachers preach a gospel for years. And he said, I, he said, I even listened to the gospel one time when I was so drunk, I couldn't hold my head up. And he was, he was, he was a, he was an alcoholic when the Lord saved him. And he was up in years too. And, uh, but he said, when that preacher preached the gospel and he said, if God has chosen you in Christ before the foundation of the world, you're going to believe it. And he said, that stopped me dead in my tracks. He said, I thought that I had already believed the gospel until he wrote that. Then he said, I began to think about, well, if that's the case and that's the truth, then then I start thinking about, well, am I chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world? It becomes a stumbling block. It all becomes a stumbling block to those uh, who are lost. And so he, that, that, that's an important thing. I want you to listen this morning. You need not do anything to be saved except to acknowledge your desire to want to be saved. You don't have to do another, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to walk this church aisle. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, be baptized. You don't have to do a thing to be saved. All you've got to do is have that desire to be saved. And God only gives that desire to people that he's going to save. He doesn't give it to everybody. God doesn't give everybody that desire. If he did, then everybody would come forward. God doesn't give that desire to everybody. He, the man that I tell you all about, I was talking to him the other day, that he always asked me, he said, do you pray every day to be saved? I said, no. I was talking to him the other day, and I brought that same thing to him. I told him, I said, if you're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, then you're going to be saved. And he, I said, there's no reason why you have to go every day and beg and plead with God to save your soul. 
He said, I said, there's no reason to do that. Because only those that have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world are the only ones that's going to be saved. And I can read scripture after scripture after scripture. I can take all the time I want this morning and read scripture after scripture after scripture showing you that that is the truth. Even Jesus said, All the Father giveth me shall come to me, and he that cometh me I will in no wise cast him out. All the Father giveth me. You know, God has to give you to his Son. When did he do that? When did God give his Son that gift of his people? That's before the world ever began. God gave to his Son a a people. And Jesus said, All the Father giveth me shall come to me, and he that cometh me I will in no wise cast out. And further on down, in that same scripture, he says, You cannot come to the Father except you be drawn. You know, you, you can't come to be saved except God is drawing you to be saved. And, and, and through a great desire to want to be saved, that's a drawing desire. God doesn't give that desire to everybody. So you can, you can understand now, I hope you can understand what I'm talking about because the rest of this message is going to be about the gospel as being a stumbling block to humanity. Now, let me say this before I get going further. It will be a fearful fall to stumble over the gospel of Christ on the way to hell. It'll be a fearful fall. Some people said, well, I can get by that. I've heard it. I had one lady shut the, slam the door in my face down in Wheeler County, and she slammed the door in my face, and she said, I've heard that. She said, I've heard that all my life. And she slammed the door in my face. I said, but ma'am, I said, I'm not here necessarily to preach to you. I said, I'm here to tell you about salvation. And she said, well, I've heard the gospel all my life. And she slammed the door in my face. I don't know whatever happened to her. I don't even know. I guess she may still be living. She's fairly young. Now, if we're to understand the gospel of Christ as a stumbling block, we must see why is the gospel a stumbling block. Why is it a stumbling block? Well, let me tell you, the gospel of Christ is meant to be a stumbling block to the sinner. It is meant to stop a sinner dead in his tracks. Now, if people just jump over it and go on, then just like that lady, I've heard it all my life. And every time she heard it, she just jumped over it and went on. She never responded no way or another. She never responded in an Armenian way. She never responded in a, in, in a, uh, uh, in, in a, a way of, uh, grace. Just jumped over it. You know, if, if, we, if we see the stumbling block and we think we can jump over it, we're going to jump over it. Now, the, the day that I fell out there in the fellowship hall, I didn't see what was in front of me. And I fell. That's what people do when they're confronted with the gospel of Christ. They just fall flat. I'm talking about people who are really saved. The gospel of Christ is meant to be a stumbling block to the sinner. Then why should the gospel of Christ itself be a stumbling block? 
Death can seldom be said to be attractive, but the death of Christ was the most ignominious of all deaths. You know, when you when you preach a gospel to someone, you've got to tell them about how Jesus died for them. But until until they see until they see the terribleness, why why would a man give his life for them? Then that's when they are that's when the stumbling block has been laid. They see that in front of them. They they see it in front of them that Jesus died for them. They see that. Every one of you that say today, sometime or another, you saw somewhere that Jesus died for you. And, and, and you didn't try to jump over it. You trusted. You trusted Him. You trusted what the gospel says He did. You trusted what the gospel says He will do in the future. The gospel not only teaches what now, but it teaches what you're going to do in the future. You know, in the future, the gospel teaches, it, it, the gospel teaches eternal life. Gospel teaches that, that once you're saved, you're always saved. I'll just use that terminology. Or it teaches eternal security. The gospel teaches all those things. The truth of the gospel teaches all those things, but, but we've, we've come to the point to where that we just say, well, you know, if you just believe the gospel, well, I believe the gospel. I believe the gospel. That, well, you know, let me tell you something, folks. It might scare you to death. Satan believed the gospel. And he trembled. He trembled. Bible says Satan believed and he trembled. So that's why the gospel, the gospel even became a stumbling block to Satan. Number one, he knew, Satan already knew he would never be saved. He, Satan knew that he, all he could do when the gospel was preached, all he could do is lay the stumbling blocks in front of people to stop them from believing. The parable of the sower, that's exactly what happened. The sower sowed the seed, but there was those out there who laid those stumbling blocks and they, they, they just jumped over them and went on. They weren't saved. Though they may go around like I did, they may go around for years as a teenager saying, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I was no more a Christian than anything. There's nothing any worse than a drunk Christian. I'm telling you, I was not a Christian. No, death is, as I said, death is not attractive. The death of Christ for his children is not attractive. Why would a man do such a thing? Why would he, why would he put himself to such extent of suffering for someone if he had not, if he was not going to save anyone? Christ's suffering, the most shameful death of all deaths, is in itself a staggering thought to those who believe the overruling providence of God the Father. His death is a shameful death. And it's a, it's a staggering thought to everyone. 
God was pleased when his only begotten son was bruised on the tree of Calvary. How can you, how many of you would be pleased if someone was to start bruising your children? God was pleased. Isaiah 53 says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. God was pleased with Jesus being suffering the way he did. There, there were, there were legions of angels that were ready to come down and take him off of that tree and take him back to heaven and God would not. He stopped them. No, God even turned his very face upon his only son. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's a part of the gospel. That's a part of the gospel message. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Just like David, I, I read in the, in the, in a reading this morning before Sunday school, David said, Lord, uh, how long? How long are you going to forsake me? How long, Lord, are you going to turn from me? No, I know there's times when we maybe believe that God has turned from us. And, and I, there's times when God should have turned from us. But he didn't. There's times when God shouldn't have acknowledged that Paul Jackson was one of his children. There were times when he shouldn't have done that, but he did. But he did. The death of Christ on the tree of Calvary was a death blow to human pride. It was a death blow to worldly honor. It was a death blow to worldly glory. It was a death blow to all those things. Man thinks he has a reason to glory in his works. But the the gospel comes with no works at all. Man has reason to glory. Oh, I go to church every time the doors are open. I give. I put money in that box back there. I give, I do this, I do that. I do things, I pray. I pray. I, I love I love everybody. One fellow told me one time, he said, I love everybody. I said, you don't. I said, you just think you do. No, nobody in here loves everybody. God doesn't love everybody. That's part of the gospel message too. God only loves his children, and that's it. When the divine ministry of Christ is not understood, it is looked upon as a shame and a dishonor when it's looked upon or even martyrdom. For he suffered because of his very divine principles. He suffered because... He was dying for me. And if you're saved today, he was dying for you. His very principles was to come to the earth and die for his children. And he did that. A lot of people don't understand that. He did that. There are those who become very religious in the works that they never see the value of Christ's death. Most of humanity would be very happy if they never come in contact with the gospel. 
It's like old Wilton Flynn used to put his fingers in his ears every time he'd see me. He said, I don't want you preaching to me. A lot of people would be happy the Lord if they can live their life and they're never confronted with the gospel of Christ. You'll say, well, I know that. Well, why do you let them get by for then? Why, why, why don't you, why don't you preach to them the gospel of Christ? Why don't you witness to them, as the Bible says, we, sh- we should uh, preach a gospel to every creature? Not just talking about preachers. That's talking about every one of us. Why, why is it that we just go on and, 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 and they're never, they never come in contact with the gospel? Let me tell you, folks, I've had people who have run me off because they did not want to hear the gospel that I was preaching to them. They won't hear it. These people have come to churches. I've pastored three churches in, in, in my ministry. Four churches in my ministry. From Illinois all the way down here to Georgia. And I've had people who have walked out because they did not want to hear the gospel. People would be happy if, if they didn't have to hear the gospel. They'd be happy if, they, if, if no one ever came to them and preached the gospel to them. You make happy people by not doing that. You've got happy friends because you don't preach the gospel to them. You've got happy family because you don't preach the gospel to them. I'm talking about the gospel truth. You've got a lot of happy loved ones. It's happy with you because you don't preach the gospel to them. I had someone tell me one time down in Glenwood, they told me, they said, well, said, I don't like people that always want to talk about religion. I thought to myself, you've got family members that should be talking to you about religion, should be talking to you about the, the truths. They weren't worried about that because they, they, they weren't worried about their, their loved one, their family members teeth, uh, saying anything to them. Why is that? E- even today, uh, Brother Sam come in McDonald's, not this last time, Brother Sam came in McDonald's the other day. Well, when was Thursday or Friday? Brother Sam came in McDonald's. We came in sometime back. And Brother Sam said something to me. And one of the men, Brother Sam can't hear him, but one of the men said, oh, don't you get him started. You know, Brother Sam asked me something. They said, oh, don't, don't you get him started. Brother Sam never heard him because he doesn't hear very well. Let me tell you, folks, these people just rather you just keep your mouth shut. Why? Why is that? The gospel is a stumbling block. They don't want to hear the gospel. There is no place in their busy life for the good news of the gospel. There's just no place in their life for it. I work every day. I do this. I take my vacations. I, I do all this. There's no place in my life for that. Because let me tell you, folks, the true preaching of the gospel will bring you to halt. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, if the Holy Spirit is behind you, you'll say, well, I don't know when the Holy Spirit's behind it. No, you don't know. We'll never know. 
I'll never know what the influence of my preaching is. I can look at you folks and say, well, this is the influence of my preaching. And when I was in Illinois, I preached every Sunday to over 125 people. When I was in Kentucky, I preached every Sunday to 70 or 80. And what I preached down here in Georgia, how do I know how many people have been affected by it? Let me tell you a story, a true story. Preacher in Kentucky told told it one day. I didn't know anything about it. When I was in, when they put me in the reserve unit, it was during that time that God called me to preach. Well, during that time I was saved and God called me to preach. And so I started preaching on Sundays to that reserve unit when we would meet on uh, Sundays, one one weekend a month. And I would preach to them. So one, one weekend we went to... Uh, Fort Knox, I believe it was. I don't remember where it was. We went to Fort Knox. And uh, when it come time on, around lunch on Sunday, I just told some of them, I said, I'm going to preach during lunch. And they said, that's fine. If that's, you can do anything you want to during your lunch. And so I got on the back of a deuce and a half. Brother Sam knows what that is. I got on the back of a deuce and a half on the tailgate. I stood up there and I preached to some soldiers sitting on the ground. No movement, nothing. They, they, they just act like they would, an opportunity for them to sit there and maybe shut their eyes and get a little nap. But later on, about 30 years later, a preacher got up to preach in a Bible conference in Lexington, Kentucky, and I was there, and he said, I want to introduce you folks to the man that preached the gospel to me that the Lord saved me. And he, he went to tell the story. He said, I know Brother Jackson remembers this. He said, you were preaching on the back for deuce and a half. He said, those guys on the ground wasn't listening to you. But he said, there was one that was laying in the seat of that deuce and a half, resting, did hear you. And he said, that was me. And the Lord saved him. And he has pastored several churches. He's not pastoring right now because he's, he, he has a lot of sickness. But he's pastored several churches. I didn't know that I had that kind of influence. Same thing, Karen and, and Sam and Deborah and Kendall, we were down in Lawdy, Florida. And we were getting ready to eat. And preacher came over to me. I didn't know him. I knew him, just knew of him. But he came down, he sat down beside me, and he said, I just want to let you know, when you preached that uh, uh, graduation service, he said, when you spoke at graduation service, he said, I was there, and he said, the Lord called me to preach during that time right there. He said, you said something that that I, I didn't realize until the Lord called me to preach. He said, you said, get a good spiritual education before you get a physical education. Now listen to me. Are you, some of you, some of you, you value your whole life on an education. Your life is bound on an education. 
Let me tell you, I preached, I said, you need to get your spiritual education before you get a physical education. And he said, at that time, I was going to the University of Kentucky, and he said, I was about to graduate, and he said, that hit me like everything. And he, he, got, he, he, he quit the University of Kentucky. He went over to the Bible school, and he, he started going to school there, and he said, I'm going to get my Christian education before I get my secondary education. We tell you, you never know. You, you, you don't know what you, what's going to be. Some of you, when you get to heaven someday, you're going to, there's going to be a list there of the people that you influenced. Care with your devotions. All of you with, uh, Chelsea just gives her scriptures. You don't know how many people you're going to influence. You're not going to know till you get to heaven. I'm not going to know how many people I've influenced till I get to heaven. Someday there's going to be a crown given you and it's going to be loaded with jewels. But what about if a crown is given you and it has no jewels in it? What's wrong? What's happened? Let me tell you folks. How much, how much influence have you been on those you work with? Those you, those you, uh, meet every day? Those family members that you, you have family reunions with? How many of you have set, preached the gospel to them? How many of you have witnessed to them? Had a fellow, I'm gonna have to stop here. Had a fellow the other day, Say to me, he asked me, he said, you ever preach at a reunion? I said, I have. I was asked to preach one time at a reunion. I said, I have. And he said, well, he said, his family had a reunion. He said, they had a preacher there that preached. I said, what's wrong with that? He said, I just thought it was tacky. He said, I went there to meet my family. I didn't go there to meet some preacher preaching. There you go. All right, let's all stand, if you would, and we're going to be dismissed. Brother Sam, this